breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Well, I'm sure you're all bracing yourself for the American elections uh, this week. Soon uh, happening, and probably as you're listening to this, we'll already begin to be getting some results. But step back, take a break. There is a new new war, a new multiple fronts in this war, if you will, that are being fought against political Islam. And I've talked in the past few episodes about what's happening in France. Well, the splashes in the puddle, the splashes in the pool, in the ocean that are happening there are starting to spread to the rest of Europe, Canada, the United States, and elsewhere. And let's talk about that front. Is the West responding with courage? Is the West responding with affirmation of our values? Or are we buckling to appeasement of those who want us to live under blasphemy laws, under weakness from the Islamists? And in this program alone, I believe... If you look at Muslim reformers, if you will, yes, many of us address it. But when it comes to the Muslim world, we just have too few having a conversation that we should not reform this. Thank you for joining me to that. uh, We can have this conversation. We can begin to look at exactly what's happening in the Muslim consciousness. And as many of us are bracing now, not only for the elections, but for more fear, more conscious lockdowns, if you will, let alone physical lockdowns, as now France locked itself down again for, uh, I think, another month. Prime Minister Boris Johnson is locking down England again, and we'll get into that debate at some other time again. We've done it before, but today we're going to talk about the battle against political Islam. And when we talk about the war against political Islam, It's going to be there. Regardless of who wins this election, we have to have a strategy. We have to stand for our principles because if we don't, if we don't, political Islam in its various formulations from Qatar to Iran to Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood to the more militants of Al-Qaeda and ISIS, etc., will continue to advance. They will see blood in the water and they will continue to push their ideas. We've had imams this week speak up from Canada. We've had an imam council weigh in on anti-Semitism. And should we believe them or should we just take them at their word? And then we've had statements coming from prime minister in Canada, from Arab countries, from Turkey, and elsewhere, sort of laying down the grounds of what is the battle that we're fighting. And as is usual, one of the best write-ups is done by our good friend Hani Goraba with the Investigative Project on Terrorism, who wrote about Islamist rage at Macron's, Macron's integration strategy and support for Prophet Muhammad cartoons. Now, France is under attack. There were more attacks this week, ladies and gentlemen, more attacks as three more people were killed at a church in Nice a few days ago with one woman reportedly beheaded by a man shouting Allahu Akbar. Oh, and make no mistake, this week Joe Scarborough, 
an MSNBC, a former Republican. I say former because he seems to have lost most of the principles of what being a Republican is all about. Scarborough says he apologizes two minutes into a segment where a reporter was talking about what happened with the attack in Nice. And, and Scarborough started the segment by leading into the report and saying there was another attack on Islamic, well, by Islamic radicals. He didn't say Islamist, he said Islamic. And then later he said, I apologize, we really don't know the motive of the attackers. Even though they shouted Allahu Akbar, even though there have been a string of attacks on the past week or two or three since the sentinel attack of Samuel Paty a teacher who dared teach his students about what's happening, what has happened in their country since the 2015 attack on Charlie Hebdo, and so much more. But Scarborough's response shows us that it's basically still 2005, when after 9-11 we were worried about stepping on the toes of many Faithful Muslims who have nothing to do with Al-Qaeda. But now, 18, 19 years later, Muslims need to wake up. We're trying to awaken them that the, the, the supremacism of an Islamic state concept, the supremacism of a Sharia, Islamic law state, is something that is a natural progenitor of radical Islamism, of militant Islamism, and its desire to use any means necessary to achieve domination. And Western secular societies are its primary threat, primary target for them. And yet, when we apologize and appease and the Joe Scarboroughs of the world start quickly when a story comes out that obviously there is a battle going on that the sores have been pulled, and now we're starting to see exactly what's going on on the streets of Paris and elsewhere in Nice. That we need to be realistic about the battle we're against. And this is Islamism, not just violent Islamism, but the ideological separatism of Islamism versus Western secular society. And France has had many of the worst attacks from the attackers of 2015, the Charlie Hebdo attackers, the the uh, cell after cell, they have 12, was it 11, 12% of the French population is Muslim. They're worried about some of the neighborhoods that are in fact more uh, ghettoized and separatist, and President Macron has been talking about this. And now they're trying to teach their students, their population. But what actually happened with Charlie Hebdo? Why is their location now secret? Why, every time they try to make a point about the domination of free speech for individual rights, that it's not anti-Muslim, that in fact we're treating Islam the way we treat every other religion. And now they were about to stand trial, 14 of the alleged accomplices to the 15 attacks on Charlie Hebdo, and now all proverbial hell is breaking loose in France. So Macron lays out a five-point plan, a five-point plan in which 
he lays out what he thinks French society should do in response to the integration of that 10 plus percent of its society. And this was actually before Samuel Paty paid for the discussion with his life by showing students the cartoons and the students then writing about it. Remember, students and teachers can be the front lines of this battle. I had that discussion with you about one of the professors here in Scottsdale as a few of his quiz questions got photographed and sent across the planet to Pakistan and London and elsewhere as followers of Islamic rappers and other gangsters started to threaten the school, threaten the administration. Macron said, back to Paris, Macron said on October 2 that Islam is a religion that is in crisis all over the world today. He laid out his proposals. He said, number one, we want to reaffirm the neutrality of public services and public services upholding French traditions of secularism and all public services. Number two, his plan included funding for associations and civil society institutions depend on their adherence to the republican principles of the French state. And thus Islamist Sharia institutions would receive no funding. I like that, ladies and gentlemen. The government should not feed its own enemies. If the government's going to pay for an institution, it must adhere to the constitutional principles of the state. I called for that here in the United States. Yes, I get it that we want religious freedom. But when that institution is a foreign agent that is looking to destroy our principles of our country, then we should not fund it. So there needs to be some public transparency when it comes to how we fund it. Macron's third point, he wants to start next school year with public education having compulsory elements from the age of three on that will include some of the elements of what it means to be French, that will be anti-separatists. And that may not even be elements. He's talking about public education being compulsory. Now, I don't agree with that one. In the United States, we have quite a different culture. The laicite policies of the hyper-secularism of France are a problem. And nothing exemplified that more than just a few days ago. More than just a few days ago, the president of France, in response to folks talking about the militancy of political Islam, saying that secularism never killed anyone. He said that in French. I'm not going to butcher the French language aspect of it, but in the translation, the French president said, secularism never killed anyone. That's his response now. If you cornered in him, I'm sure President Macron is talking about the secularism of France currently, its laicite policies. But to say secularism never killed anyone certainly belies the genocidal operations of horrific tyrannies on the planet historically from Pol Pot to Hitler, Mussolini and on. So anyways, so we have to be careful in that the, the tweet there exemplifies the idiocy of those 
who on the one hand are so well-intended and wanting to fight for freedom and Western values, but on the other hand, don't realize that your best allies against political Islam and its separatism are devout Muslims. So if you try to market hyper-secularism as such a benign thing, you are going to lose this battle because A, you're going to lose other religious folks from the Christian and Jewish and other communities that want to defend religious freedom against government tyranny, the tyranny of hyper-secularism, if you will. And number two, you're going to lose even the Muslims that can't stand Islamism and political Islam because we also want the freedom to, to practice our faith. So how do we defend hyper-secularism that's anti-Islamic, anti-Islam? Yes, we need to be tough on Muslims. They need a tough love. We need to be tough on political Islam. But that tough love needs to articulate, I think this is why American ideals are so uniquely suited to win this battle. I think Europe's hyper-secularism is going to find itself spinning, spinning on its own axis until it figures out what to do about religious liberty. Because when they took away the freedom for the niqab, which I agreed should be taken away, the niqab is a face covering in which nobody could identify who's who. That whole debate now is being thrown into a tizzy because of face masks for COVID. But the bottom line is, is they also then said the Jewish community could not wear the kippah. The Christian community could not wear a cross. And that hypersecularism took personal freedoms as subservient to the state's uniformity against theopolitical movements. Now again, I am very much against the government making laws against the hijab, which is a head covering. I disagree with what it stands for, but religious freedom is religious freedom, whether you're Muslim with a hijab or Sikh or Jewish with a kippah. But when you cover the face, that's a whole other thing from a security, public security standpoint. Back to, back to Macron's proposals. He said, number four, he wants to reduce the dependence on foreign imams by making it mandatory for those imams to be partially trained in France. I don't know what partially trained, but the foreign part is, is 100% correct. This requirement would lead to the state supporting enlightened Islam, more tolerant of other beliefs. Macron proposed stricter monitoring of foreign mosque funding. I can't tell you how important, how important that is and how many times many of us in the Muslim reform movement have brought that up. Stop it with the importation of foreign agents of hell, of the evil of Islamism. Stop it with the funding from abroad of those imams here being fueled with political Islam. And Saudi Arabia now has stopped that. As of 2017, they've stopped the importation of their ideas according to their latest attempt to have some affinity with the West as they're also getting closer to Israel and, and, and preparing themselves to be bolstered against the threat in the region that they see from Iran. And I agree, there should be a more enlightened Islam. Now, if we get too close to regimes like Saudi Arabia... What's their form of enlightened Islam? They see Wahhabism as a reform when in fact it was a militant step hundreds of years backwards. 
but let's have the debate. Let's have platforms in which we can discuss that and discuss what is and what is not Islam, what is and what is not the tradition of the Prophet, what is and what is not a moral tradition commensurate with Western ideas of liberty and freedom and equality and universal human rights. The fifth point that Macron is seeking to put into place is reclaiming what he called lost neighborhoods or Muslim ghettos, which Macron believes is driving the separatism. Where we have withdrawn, he said, we must return. I could not agree more. These ghettos, the separatist areas, is why you could have an attack committed in Paris in November 2015, and then a second attack by the same cell in Belgium in March 2016. They hide from place to place, and the EU security apparatus and Interpol and others could not narrow them down until after they committed a second attack. And then with this new strategy, all of a sudden you had the militants of ISIS, the Salafi jihadists, whatever flavor or branding of the jihadists of the day decided to commit an act of terror against Samuel Paty, the beheading. Chechen refugee Abdul, Abdullah Anzorov was shot and killed moments later. He was on a watch list and was in contact with Russian jihadists in Syria a month earlier. Again, a known, not a lone, but a known wolf. Another group called the Sheikh Yassin Collective was shut down after Pady's murder. They issued a fatwa, a religious ruling that included the address of Pady's school. French government had to dissolve, finally, that group. Nine suspects have been detained further, as Hanny points out this week in his piece, including four teenagers, two of whom were paid 300 euros, 300 euros, each by Anzarov to identify the slain teacher. French police closed the mosque outside Paris for six months after promoted a video of a parent who complained about Paty and organized an online campaign for Muslims to rally against him. So, Macron has been clear and repeatedly talking about this. This is what's so important. He's had multiple comments, multiple tweets, multiple speeches. This is what we need to do is finally begin to get out of this hole in which we won't even have a conversation, in which we're too afraid to be called Islamophobes or bigots, whatever it might be. We have to start... Uh, flexing the muscles that we've not used is how do you talk about a threat that embraces itself in religion and yet is a theopolitical tyrannical movement Macron said fear must change sides more than 8,000 Islamist radicals are on the national warning lists as potential threat to homeland security French Minister of the Interior Darmanin said in August They now plan to deport 231 foreign nationals who are on a file of alerts, as they're called. Macron spoke at Paty's funeral, stressed the freedom of speech guaranteed in the French Constitution. He was killed, Macron said, because Islamists want our future. They will never have it. Now, what's important 
is you've seen responses from Turkey, from Qatar and Al Jazeera, from Turkish media calling for a boycott of French products, falsely claiming that France is persecuting Muslims. Erdogan called Macron's statements a provocation and claimed that Macron needs mental treatment. That's what the fellow NATO president said of Macron that was addressing a problem that Islamists have. Now, please, how many more warnings, how many more examples do we need of exactly whose side Macron is on and what his ideas are? He won't even talk about the need to reform anything when it comes to political Islam. Just calls it a provocation. And by the way, this week in Western media, we saw headlines from AP basically saying that France is making it unlivable for Muslims. So basically saying that France had it coming. These are headlines from the Associated Press. Politico had a piece about basically with the intimation that somehow it's the French policies of secularism that are driving this. How idiotic, how ignorant are they of what political Islam, what Sharia law, what it is that drives the blasphemy laws in Pakistan's Islamic Republic, in Iran's Islamic Republic, in Saudi Arabia's limitation on free speech, in Turkey's arrest of tens of thousands of professors and others who don't tow the Islamic state line of Erdogan. And sure enough, Pakistani President Imran Khan bashed Macron, saying that Macron's actions and statements are fueling polarization and radicalization. And as Hani points out, Macron said, we will never give in, never. We respect differences in spirit of peace. We do not accept hate speech and defend reasonable debate. We will always be on the side of human dignity and universal values. And yes, in time... Sure enough, the Muslim Brotherhood issued a statement condemning Macron's statements and joining the boycott. Mohamed Moussaoui, president of the French Muslim Council, denied that France is persecuting Muslims. All the smear campaigns against France are counterproductive and create division. And I talked to you about Moussaoui's comments last week's episode. They're working on a training plan for imams to counter radicalism. Now, is the French Muslim Council an appropriate partner? It's affiliated with Islamist groups, including the Muslim Brotherhood founder, Muslimans de France. But yet now they're chameleons that are making themselves appear more patriotic and nationalistic for the French as they see there's a war of ideas brewing on every front. Real reformers, Islam Bahiri, describe the Islamist version of Islam dating back to a time when some Muslims started to treat others as unequal or infidels. Early Islam, he said, depicted the Constitution as blasphemy. The law is blasphemy and indecent to God. Democracy is clear atheism. That's what Islam in its historical tradition has said, according to Islam Bahiri. 
talks about the conflict with banks, with interest, with loans, savings certificates, insurance. International loans are all prohibited, as Beheri said on his TV program, The Compass. Macron tried to say this week that he wasn't targeting the religion. He was targeting bigotry of the Islamists, radicalism of the Islamists. Folks, we cannot minimize this. Folks like Joe Scarborough might try to dismiss it and apologize and say Islam has nothing to do with it. Let's see what's happening in Canada. A Canadian imam, Eunice Kathrada, thanks to the ever-present memory, said in, in, in a video from just last week, Eunice Kathrada said, Samuel Paty, the teacher, the French teacher, was a cursed, evil-spirited, filthy excuse for a human being. That's what Imam Yunus Kathrada said. And this was posted on the Muslim Youth Victoria YouTube channel. Yunus in his sermon talked about the republishing of the Charlie Hebdo cartoons, mocking the prophet And killing so many by the militants that were part of this Islamist Salafi jihadist movement. He said that the response to republishing of the Charlie Hebdo cartoons by the Islamic world was weak, and that the objection of the Muslim students of Samuel Paty and their parents garnered no attention. This imam in Canada, in Victoria, said that a Muslim youth confronted and beheaded Patty. Kathrada described the teacher, not the beheader, the teacher as cursed. If this doesn't radicalize Muslims, ladies and gentlemen, what does? You have an imam basically legitimizing and lauding the beheading of a school teacher in Paris. And then he called upon the audience to boycott French products and services. So now, ladies and gentlemen, you're starting to see, you're starting to see that the Islamist standards that were used to foment anti-Semitism and their positions against Israel are now being used globally, globally, in their mindset to defend Islam, be it in Paris, be it in Canada, be it in Germany, be it in Switzerland, be it in the United States. The imam said, but nobody bothered. Nobody bothered when the when the cartoons were published by Charlie Hebdo, paid attention. Nobody bothered to pay attention to what Muslims said. And why should they? Because we are now a humiliated people. And now a teacher in France chose to show those insulting cartoons in his class. And of course, some of the Muslim students who were there were very annoyed and upset. Then about a week ago, it is said, I repeat, it is said. So he won't even even admit that the beheading was actually a Muslim. That a young Muslim man confronted this cursed individual. He confronted the evil-spirited man. He confronted this filthy excuse. And he beheaded him. We are angry. And then he said, oh, well, I'll support those who wage jihad. You're the same everywhere. 
ladies and gentlemen, if this isn't one of the fronts in the war, I don't know what is. Politico then, do they defend the Western ideals? Their piece from earlier last week said, France's dangerous religion of secularism. So one of the Islamist apologists at the School for Advanced Studies in Social Sciences, a writer by the name of Farhad Khosrokhavar, who basically said that radical secularism and radical Islamism, right, jihadism, as he said, are in a dangerous dance. And he said that one, the priest of secularism, promotes its own blasphemy against the republic, against the nation-state. And he said, basically, it depends whose blasphemy you're talking about. Well, this is an interesting debate to have. But that's not a mainstream thought process, is it? We're talking about the defense of universal human rights, that ideas do not have rights, that human beings do. This is one of the mantras of our Muslim reform movement. The Islamist writer says, the moderate secularism that prevailed as recently as the 70s has been replaced with something more like a civil religion. It is a belief system that has its own priests, government ministers, its pontiff, the president of the republic, its acolytes, intellectuals, and its heretics. Anyone who calls for a less antagonistic attitude towards Islam is rejected and branded an Islamo-leftist. One of the defining features of this new secularism is the promotion of religious blasphemy, and in particular its extreme expression in the form of caricatures, like those of Muhammad. It is one thing, he said, to protect the freedom to blaspheme and another to enthusiastically exhort blasphemy, as is the case in France. And he calls for moderation. So, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. It is the most difficult things to swallow, to accept that we should defend. That defense does not mean does not mean demeaning it and ridiculing it to the point that's not strength, that's not a defensive. A culture is strong enough when it can accept words that can be the most difficult, most insulting, if you will, to its mores. And the Islamists will not abide. So, you know, we're, we're at this impasse. There's a battle happening. In New York, as Steve Emerson's investigative project on terrorism points out, New York mosques, a consortium of them, protested Macron's blatant disrespect to the prophet, and they called for a rally against French Islamophobia. Yeah. Our, in the United States, imams and mosques are rallying against France which, so now they're saying Islam is the victim of this ideology that will not tolerate the consideration that cartoons are free speech, that, that criticizing a faith community, its religion, its ideas is free speech. No, 
the New York imams want to come together in solidarity. They said the French president is directly provoking the Muslim world in his support of offensive and vulgar depictions of the beloved Prophet Muhammad. Medjusla Shura, or Leadership Council, or Islamic Leadership Council of New York, said in a news release. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, one of the imams, many of them are leaders among the Council on American Islamic Relations. Siraj Wahaj, who's not only viciously anti-Semitic and anti-American, has been a homophobe and expressed ideas that are incompatible with American freedom and liberty. And sure enough, these imams get together in a, in a release and basically they're not calling for violence, but they're basically appeasing and apologizing for anything that might come from those who may challenge and and uh, um, depict the Prophet in a way that's offensive to Muslims. And there are many other groups that are lauding this imam's group. American Muslims for Palestine and several New York chapters of the Muslim American Society and, and, and many others that are groups founded by the Muslim Brotherhood members of the United States applauded the imams and their position. Conservative cleric Yasser Qadi, a frequent speaker at fundraisers, a guy who I've talked about here a few years ago in a lot of his radical positions, posted a warning to Macron that, quote, people come and go and you too shall leave this earth. Nations rise and fall and a time will come when France itself shall not exist. But rest assured, the legacy of the Prophet and the love that all Muslims have for him shall continue to live long after you and your nation are relegated to the ink of history books. What a threat from a guy, I think he's based in Tennessee. The New York Times lauded him as such a great scholar that as he fights Al-Qaeda, he wasn't fi he's fighting the militancy of Al-Qaeda, but not the ideas of Islamic supremacism, as you could tell. And this is why many of us in the modern Muslim community of reformers detest the ideas of what Yasser Qadi represents. He signed a petition, Qadi, condemning the recurrent insult toward the Prophet and the assistance of the French government to defend them. Crosses a red line, he said, that rightly draws the attempts, the contempt of Muslims across the world. Other signatories included Samuel Arian, you all know his connection with Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Muslim Matters, the Islamist echo chamber for a lot of Soros' other organizations, said, make them hurt. Make Macron eat his words. Make France pay for its hypocrisy and abuse of Muslims. It's institutionalized Islamophobia. Make French companies feel the angst of those who love the Prophet Muhammad. Care the front of the Islamist engine in America under the guise of civil rights said it was joining the boycott on French goods along with Recep Erdogan and Pakistan's Imran Khan. Nihad Awad condemned the attack as a horrific crime against innocent people in their church but then criticized Macron, not the killer. As Emerson points out, he said, 
Nihad Awad said, France needs a leader who unites his nation on the basis of equality for all and mutual respect, he wrote, not division and political games. And now CARE wants the U.S. Commission on Religious Freedom that I served on and was termed out to investigate what it called the collectively smearing and punishing of the French Muslim community. Just because they closed the Paris mosque that posted a video inciting anger against the teacher, calling him a thug. Um, that sounds pretty, pretty much a uh, condoning of the act of war against their own country. So, Linda Sarsour, another care acolyte, said, I am absolutely not Charlie. I'm absolutely not going to say Je suis Charlie, Sarsour said to applause, because Charlie Hebdo chose to use its publication to vilify my faith, dehumanize my community, demoralize my prophet. And I absolutely will say you can have freedom of speech and I have the freedom to call you a bigot and a racist. So, and then we have the leader of the Islamic Republic in Iran, the Islamic Supreme Council had Khamenei posted this week. He said, in his name, young French people, ask your president why he supports insulting God's messenger in the name of freedom of expression. Does freedom of expression mean insulting, especially a sacred personage? Isn't this stupid act an insult to the reason of the people who elected him? So as... Emerson points out, well, everybody has a right to protest and boycott, but they all seem to be in line, in lockstep with Ayatollah Khamenei, with Erdogan, with Qatar, with Imran Khan. The Islamic republics of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation are coming together. Ladies and gentlemen, as we work through our elections, the world is moving on and it is not a pleasant place. And we Muslims are here, those of us that believe in Western society and that love America and its constitution are here and ready to fight this war. But wake up, there is a war happening on the streets of Paris, on the streets of Turkey, in Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Canada, New York City, all over the world in which there's a battle in which a quarter of the world's population that is Muslim is trying to figure out what modernity is and where our interpretations of our faith are. And if we continue to sleep through it, the Islamists will win, as they did through the Arab Awakening, for the most part. And they're beginning to lose now as the Arab world begins to recognize Israel and recognize the West. There's opportunities now. Do not let our political shifts here in the West take our eye off the ball. Because this battle only comes once in a lifetime. And we cannot allow the, the dreams of the Islamists here within us that are insurgents, like the Council on American Islamic Relations that hates this country. And you know they do by virtue of which side they take when we're talking about Erdogan or Iran or the Muslim Brotherhood. You know they do. And every other Islamist that can't stand Western countries as we saw in some of the imams I mentioned to you today. Start looking at this, ladies and gentlemen, because it is so important. One last thing as we look 
You see the Huffington Post and others talk about motivated Muslim voters could prove consequential in key swing states. And then they pulled here in Arizona a poll done by CARE that was a self-fulfilling prophecy of what they wanted to say when which they took 20, 30,000 folks that they extrapolated from calling 300 people that they knew to be Muslim were on their rolls and otherwise and somehow that became a poll that now in which Muslim voters could prove consequential. I encourage everybody to vote, but to try to peg us in one faith as believing in a certain political movement is Islamism and political Islam. So as the as the Monday morning evaluations start happening, as this election hopefully comes to a close pretty quickly. I know there's all this question about how long it's going to take to count, etc. May it be done peacefully, and may we also not connect the checkboxes of various various identity groups into taking credit or no credit for what happened, because we are one country united under a constitution, under principles. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Find me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R. And find me at Reform This Radio. God bless. And please share this podcast. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.